Welcome to Life Study of the Bible, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs are based on the ministry of Witness Lee and his 21-year-long crowning work, The Life Study of the Bible. We'll include excerpts from his spoken ministry, which focuses on the enjoyment of Christ as the divine life as revealed in the Bible. We hope that through these studies, you'll be brought into a deeper enjoyment of the scriptures and of our dear and precious Lord Jesus. You can contact us by sending email to radio at lsm.org or reach us toll-free, 888-LIFE-STUDY. Now, let's join today's program. How can we know God and how can we know man? The Bible tells us it's only by the Spirit. But what does that mean? 1 Corinthians 2.11 says, For who among men knows the things of man except the spirit of man which is in him. In the same way, the things of God also no one has known except the spirit of God. This is Matt Miller filling in for Chris Wilde, and we have a very particular life study program related to the two spirits, and joining me for it is Bob Danker. Bob, welcome back to the program. It's good to be back, Matt. Bob, this is the 13th message from our life study of 1 Corinthians, and today we are going to cover two printed message in the first life study volume of 1 Corinthians, which are messages number 18 and 19, and they cover 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Would you give a brief word of introduction to our program today? Well, Matt, uh, I think those who have read the first epistle to the Corinthians realize that in Corinth, the church which was in Corinth, there were many, many problems. And Paul was desperately trying to bring these immature, soulish, and even fleshly Corinthian believers to enter into God's economy, to enter into the enjoyment of Christ. And uh, he tells them that this Christ is God's power and God's wisdom, that their human wisdom, their philosophical wisdom means nothing. God's wisdom is Christ himself. And this wisdom uh, solves all the problems among them. If they would enjoy Christ and experience him and his cross, then, first of all, all the negative things among them would be eliminated. Secondly, they would grow in the divine life. They would grow. And by growing, they would be built up together, and God's eternal economy would be fulfilled. So Paul is desperately trying to encourage them to get out of the realm of their mind, their philosophical mind, and get into their regenerated spirit where they could enjoy Christ as God's power, God's wisdom, actually Christ as everything that God wants to give them. So here in the second chapter, there's a tremendous portion in the beginning of this chapter where Paul talks about God's hidden and mysterious wisdom which God predestinated before the ages, that means in eternity past, for our glory. And these are the things, Paul says, which eye has never seen, ear has never heard, and has never come up in man's heart. 
These things which God has prepared for those who love him. These very things which God has prepared for all the believers are actually the deep things of God himself. No one knows these things except the Spirit of God, and no one can reveal them and make them real in our experience except God's Spirit. But God's Spirit needs our spirit in order that he may reveal these deep and hidden things of God to us and may guide us and bring us into the reality of all these things. So here we come to uh, this portion where Paul mentions the two spirits, the spirit of man and the spirit of God. And uh, these two spirits, we know, in the believers are mingled together. Now Paul is trying his best to transfer these Corinthians out of the realm of the soul, out of the realm of the flesh, where they cannot know the things of God or experience them. He wants to bring them into this mingled spirit where they can uh, see and apprehend all the deep and hidden things which God has prepared for all the believers. Very good, Bob. I think for any of our listeners who are hearing this program and have followed in the past, they will realize that this matter of the two spirits is critical to the ministry of Witness Lee and Living Stream and also critical to our experience. I think that if anyone heard what you just said, Bob, I thought that was a very good introduction. Uh, the verse says, uh, 1 Corinthians 2.14, is that the soulish man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. So we need to be spiritual men. And so let's go to Witness Lee from his speaking in September of 1981 when he spoke this message related to what it means to be spiritual. What is to be spiritual? To be spiritual is to have your spirit, the spirit of man, and his spirit, the spirit of God, mingled together as one spirit. When you are in this one mingled spirit, you are spiritual. And you have the spiritual discernment, you have the spiritual knowledge, you have the spiritual teaching, and you have the spiritual communication. And you just can discern all the things of man and all the things of God spiritually. So, this brings us into such a conclusion what we need to experience Christ at the depths of God is the two spirits. We must have our spirit mingled with this spirit of God. So, at the end of chapter 2, you have the spiritual man, you have also the soulish man. The spiritual man are the ones who exercise their spirit to coordinate with the spirit of God making the two spirit one. It is here, in this mingled spirit, that you enjoy Christ. Not just on the surface, but in the depths of God. In such a deep way that I has never seen, ear has never heard, and even it has never come up in your thinking. Even you have never dreamed about it. But God has predestined this for us. God has prepared this for us. God has given this to us. And God now revealed this to us. My, isn't this wonderful? 
Bob, I agree with Witness Lee. This is wonderful. I feel like this is so wonderful, the things that God has revealed to us in spirit. But my fear is that many of the Christians out there today, especially some of the ones who may be listening today, are not using their spirit. They don't understand what this means, and so they're missing the things that God has revealed to them when they come to the Bible. Because it says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, and it hasn't entered into man's heart what God has revealed to man, to those who love him. But he's done it in spirit. What does it mean, Bob, to be a spiritual man? Well, this is a very good question because I think this is a term that we're all familiar with, a spiritual man, or he's a spiritual person. What does it mean to be a spiritual person? Well, it means that we all the time, a spiritual person always exercises himself to deny his soul and his soulish life and does not allow himself to be governed and directed by his natural human life, which is in his soul. Instead, he allows himself to be dominated, governed, directed, and led by the Spirit of God who has been mingled with his human spirit. So this is a person who lives and walks according to his regenerated spirit in the very depths of his being. He doesn't allow himself to be governed by superficial outward things, not by the thoughts of his mind, nor by the feelings of his emotion, nor by the, uh, you know, his intentions in his will. He denies all these things, and he turns to his spirit, remains in his spirit with God's spirit, and he lives there all the time. This kind of a person is a spiritual person. And Paul says that this is the kind of person who can discern the things of man and the things of God. If you speak spiritual things to a soulish man, that is a man who is dominated by and lives in himself, in his soul, in his own natural life, in his own thoughts, feelings, and intentions— If you speak spiritual things to such a person, he's not able to receive them because the capacity of spiritual discernment is missing. But a spiritual man can receive all the things of the Spirit of God, which are the deep things of God, which he has predestinated, prepared, revealed, and given to us for our enjoyment. The spiritual man can receive all these things and can enter into them because he lives, moves, and has his being in his spirit. Very good. I, uh, As you were speaking, Bob, I was just thinking, if I was driving down the road listening to this, and this was new to me for the first time, it would be like a foreign language. And if that's you out there, that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about what does it mean to be a spiritual man? What is it to be spiritual? Because the Bible says if you're not spiritual, you don't understand the things of God, and you also don't understand the things of a man. Terrible. Terrible to be in a position to not know the things of God or the things of man. So we're touching a very critical subject today. Let's go to the second portion with Witness Lee, where he'll get into this matter of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, an example of people on the earth during the Lord's time who were not living according to the Spirit, but then also positively how Jesus and Paul did live according to their Spirit. I hope we can really learn something specific regarding the use of the Spirit in today's program. 
the Pharisees, the Sadducees, in the four Gospels, they thought they knew God because they knew God's Old Testament. Yet, they didn't know God in being. They even didn't know themselves. They didn't know their position. They didn't know their condition. They didn't know their situation. They didn't know. But that time, there was only one person who knew the things of God and who knew the things of man. Right. Who was that person? Jesus. Why? Because all of them were exercising their mentality. Only one man among them was exercising his spirit. In the four Gospels, it does say Jesus in his spirit perceives. While those Pharisees, Sadducees were talking around him, he exercised his spirit and he perceived. At the Lord Jesus' time, he was the only person, right, that knew the things of man and the things of God. By what? By his human spirit. Plus God's spirit. Then, in 1 Corinthians, Paul was a good example. He knows the real position, condition, situation, and the destiny of those Corinthian believers. Those Corinthian believers were exercising their mentality. They didn't know the things of man. Even they didn't know themselves. But Paul knew. Could you follow me? Paul knew. Paul was the person that exercised. He was exercising his spirit with the spirit of God. So Paul knows the Corinthians thoroughly. And at the same time, Paul knows God thoroughly. Bob, I am so happy for the Apostle Paul's example in the New Testament of one who exercised his spirit. You know, if Jesus were the only one who had perception in his spirit, and he perceived by using his spirit, then we might say, only Jesus could do this, and he was God, and we could never do that. But Paul was there as a pattern for us of one who exercised his spirit, and he knew the real condition of those Corinthians. Now, my question for you, is this kind of perception and exercise of the Spirit something reserved for special people, or is it available to all believers? Well, Matt, I would say it is available to every believer because every believer, just like the Apostle Paul, has a human spirit created by God, and also that human spirit has been regenerated by God's Spirit And now the very Spirit of God, the one who knows all the deep and hidden things concerning God, this Spirit is dwelling in the regenerated Spirit of every believer. Now, the only question is, as believers, do we continue to live the way we lived before we were regenerated, exercising our mind, our soul, you know, to live in our soul, or even our flesh. Just a natural man. Just a natural, soulish man, just like an unbeliever. Right. He may be a good man, 
or a bad man. But anyway, he lives in himself. He lives in his soul, not in his spirit. Well, we believers have a regenerated spirit, and the Spirit of God dwells in us. We do have the constitutional capacity. We have the capacity in our Christian constitution to know the things of man and to know the things of God and to receive the revelation of all the divine things. However, if we don't live in our spirit, but rather we live in our soul like an unbeliever, then this capacity in our spiritual constitution cannot manifest itself. It cannot come forth and be manifested. So our greatest need as believers in Christ is to learn how to exercise our spirit, to turn from our mind, from our emotions, from all our uh, soulish activities and even fleshly activities, turn to our spirit and contact the Lord. I would highly recommend uh, anyone who is hearing this word and who's wondering, how can I touch my spirit? How can I contact the spirit in my spirit? Well, one of the best ways we know of is to call on the name of the Lord Jesus. Just forget about our thoughts, forget about our feelings, and from the deepest part of our being, call audibly on the name of Jesus. Lord Jesus, from deep within, then we will experience something maybe we never experienced before. We will contact the Lord in our spirit, and we will know that there is a difference between the spirit and the soul. Bob, I'm glad you brought that up. I was thinking right when you said it, we almost need a whole program on what it means to exercise our spirit, a practical example of how to lead people into exercising their spirit. I mean, people go to gymnasiums and have trainers teaching them how to exercise. That's just their body. And Paul said that profits little. This is exercising yourself unto godliness, the highest, most important thing on the whole earth. I don't think we can give enough emphasis to this matter of exercising our spirit. Uh, let's go to the final portion today with Witness Lee, and he's going to give a comparison between Romans, the book of Romans, and the book of 1 Corinthians from a particular angle. And I hope our listeners will stay with us because I think they'll really enjoy this comparison. Here's Witness Lee. There's two books, Romans, then the first, Corinthians. They were written by the same writer, yet they were composed absolutely different one from another. Romans is composed altogether doctrinally. It reveals to us the truth in a doctrinal way from sinners to the local churches. So, in the last chapter of that doctrinal book, you could see all the churches. Now, right following this book, you have another book, First Corinthians. It's all together, not doctrinal. It is practical. No doctrines here. It is practical, but it is also complicated. In our thinking, anything doctrinal must be very complicated. Right? But... The strange thing is, in Romans, you don't have complications. 
the complications so strange are not in doctrines, but in practices. You open up First Corinthians, the first page gives you a picture of devotion. Then you read on. My, the thing in chapter 5 is terrible. It's not only kind of fornication, it's a kind of incest. It's terrible. Yet, let me tell you, the first condensation is more precious than Romans. How do I say this? Let me check with you. Have you seen this term, fellowship, into his son in Romans? Have you seen such a term? God is faithful through whom you were called into the fellowship of his son. It's too precious. Have you read such a word like to you, the called ones? Christ is God's power and God's wisdom. Romans tells us that we are in Christ. But it doesn't say of God. My this phrase of God is so sweet. Of God, you are in Christ. Precious words, precious terms. Precious words, precious terms. Oh my, Bob, I really, I really enjoy this comparison between Corinthians and Romans. How in Romans you have so much doctrine. And it's not that complicated, really, compared to 1 Corinthians. The Corinthians have such a complicated situation. Yet in the midst of the complicated practical situation of the 1 Corinthians, Paul, through the Holy Spirit, was able to reveal the precious items of God. You are in Christ. You've been called into the fellowship of his Son. Why don't you develop these for a close today of our program? Well, yes, Matt. It's somewhat uh, simple just to state the truth in a doctrinal way because uh, there you don't have to deal with the real situation of the believers. But in 1 Corinthians, Paul was not stating doctrines. He was doing his best to help the Corinthians to grow in life so that they would be no longer infants in Christ, but would become spiritual men so that they could receive all the deep and hidden things of God and could enjoy these things. So Paul was laboring in a complicated situation. The Corinthians uh, was really amazing the difficulties and problems that that church had. Maybe not unlike the situation today. (laughs) Many of the same problems, but in revealing the solution to these problems, Paul does not use doctrine. He uses the real and practical experience of Christ. And this brings us into a realm where there are many precious, precious things. What a precious, precious message. Bob, thanks for joining me today. Our time's out. It's good to be with you, Matt. Well, thank you also for joining us. It's been a special time we've had with you today to talk about 1 Corinthians chapter 2. If you'd like to get a copy of the printed message, you can call us at one 1- 888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 1-888-543-3788. Our time's up. On behalf of Bob Danker, this is Matt Miller. Thanks for joining us today on Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee. Dear Lord, we give ourselves to you.
Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. These programs consist of excerpts from Witness Lee's spoken ministry, along with our discussion and comments, and all focusing on God's heart's desire that we would enjoy Christ as the divine life for man. These Life Study messages show us that every book of the Bible reveal that enjoying Him in this way will bring us to the goal of our salvation. There are more than 1,700 programs like this one available online free of charge that you can download, stream live, or add to your podcast subscription. Just visit our website, lsmradio.com. That's lsmradio.com. You can also reach us by email, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening today. What is the church? The church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all in all. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 23. The body of Christ is not an organization, but an organism constituted of all the regenerated believers for the expression and activities of the head. The body of Christ is the issue of the incarnated, crucified, resurrected, and ascended Christ who has come into the church. By means of the ascended Christ's heavenly transmission, we are made one with him, and thus his body is produced. Scripture, Ephesians 1.23, and commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version published by Living Stream Ministry. For more information, visit lsm.org.